It's good to be with you again this evening. We're going to be studying from Matthew chapter 7. If you'd like to open your Bibles to that context, Matthew chapter 7. And we have one of probably the most misunderstood and yet often quoted passages in all of the Bible. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Often when folks use this passage... They use it in the sense that there is no acceptable circumstance at all in which any judgment can be made. That's probably because we live in a world that hates absolutes and hates the idea of you saying that I am wrong about something. But I hope to look at this passage tonight in its context just for a few minutes and see if we can wrap our minds around exactly what it means and how to apply it. It is important to remember when we're studying the Sermon on the Mount that the key verse of the whole sermon is actually found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 20. Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And you know how he progresses through the rest of, of, uh, of the sermon. He will deal with matters related to things that folks had heard or things that traditionally they had been taught versus what God's word actually says about the matter. He will deal with external uh, righteousness, if you will, versus internal, real, genuine, true righteousness. He'll talk about people, uh, he'll talk about doing uh, service in order to be seen by men versus doing service just because it is service to God. There are a number of things that he talks about, but when we get to Matthew chapter 7, he's actually talking about relationships. Real righteousness, real genuine righteousness applies to relationships. Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 12. There's our relationship between us and our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Matthew 7 verse 1 to 6. There is our relationship, uh, that it, the relationship that exists between us and God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. And then there's the relationship that we have with all people, whether they are brethren or not. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, which is the passage that we so affectionately refer to as the golden rule. So this context about judgment in Matthew 7, 1 to 6 is found in a context that has to do with relationships and particularly relating to brethren, relating to our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And there are four things that I'd like for us to notice about what Jesus says in the first five verses of Matthew chapter 7. First, let's read them. Jesus says, "'Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged.'" And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your uh, eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Four things. First of all, Let's define what we're talking about. When Jesus says, don't judge, when he uses the word judge, 
What exactly does it mean? Well, the image actually goes back to um, what we might call, um, well, it's an economic image. It refers to the weights and the scales and the balances uh, in the Old Testament, the the Jewish uh, world that would be used to measure out uh, coins and different amounts of uh, various things like wheat or grain or, or what have you. And so that's the image, that's the the idea behind judging or behind passing a measure. With what measure you meet, it will be measured out to you. Putting some measure or some amount of something on a scale, that's the idea. But the word in and of itself basically just means to pass sentence. It means to stand in condemnation. It means to make a determination of right and wrong. Now, you may remember from our Wednesday evening, evening studies that judging in a fair and an appropriate way was a major problem amongst the Jewish people, particularly during the time that the minor prophets wrote. For example, we have Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. We looked at this, uh, or excuse me, Micah chapter 3, I believe it is. Micah chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. We looked at this just the other night in which Micah describes how the princes, how the rulers, the ones whose uh, obligation it was to properly enforce the law, how they were not. They were cheating, and they were not fair in their judgment. They were not fair even in their business dealings. The same thing in Amos chapter 5, verse 10 to 15. Interesting, Amos says, Amos 5.10, they hate the one who rebukes in the gate and they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. He says, therefore, because you tread down the poor and you take grain taxes from him, though you've built houses of hewn stone, you will not dwell in them. You've planted pleasant vineyards, but you'll not drink from them because I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. And what are they? Afflicting the just and taking bribes. Diverting the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, let the prudent keep silent at that time. And we've seen these images fairly recently in our Wednesday evening Bible studies. This problem that Israel had with the proper administration of justice from a legal standpoint and also from an economic standpoint. So there is a great deal of imagery that is packed in just to this word Judgment or this concept of judgment, of passing sentence or standing in condemnation or making a determination of right and wrong. And I want you to focus with me on that last part of the definition, making a determination between right and wrong. You see, not all judging is wrong. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, if you are guilty of looking at the speck in your brother's eye, but not considering the plank in your own? Or if you are guilty of saying to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. If you're guilty of that, then he says you are a hypocrite. Well, what's a hypocrite? Literally, it's one who plays the part. It's a play actor. You're a hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's. How would Jesus be able to define a hypocrite if it weren't appropriate to make some judgment between what's right and between what's wrong? The answer is that he wouldn't. 
This is fairly practical. We make judgments on a daily basis, and some of them are very simple. Like in the morning, we get up and we look in our closet, and we make a judgment about what kind of clothing we're going to wear. Maybe we look at the weather forecast before we make that decision, but we weigh all of the information, and then we make a judgment. Sometimes the, situa- the decisions are a little bit more difficult, like uh, maybe disciplining an older child be, uh, because of some um, perhaps major transgression. And we take the, all of that information into consideration and we think, okay, what's the best course of action here? These are all judgments that we make on a regular basis. Not all judgment is wrong. Listen to Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Do you remember that passage? Galatians 6 verse 1, Paul said, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, how are we to know if a brother is overtaken in a trespass if we don't have the ability to make some sort of judgment as to whether or not a trespass has been committed? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 and verse 13, Paul makes this statement. He says, for what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Remember the context. He has talked to them about disciplining the ungodly member. And he makes a statement toward the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 9. He says, I wrote to you in an epistle not to keep company with anyone who is called a fornicator or who is sexually immoral. But then he clarifies, he says, I'm not talking about the people of the world, because if that were the case, well, you could never come out of your house. What I'm talking about are those who are Christians, members of the body of Christ, who are caught up in this kind of sinful activity. But when he gets to verse 12 and 13 then, he still has that in mind, but the point is, he is talking about a certain level of judgment that is appropriate. And in context of what he's dealing with in chapter 5, he is talking about the appropriateness of judging or dealing with one who is caught in sin within the congregation versus one who is outside the body of Christ. But the point is, there's still judgment that takes place. Now, here's where the real application comes in. The key to all of this, of course, is to judge in a right way, to judge righteously. Remember that that's the key verse, by the way, of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will in no wise be, or in no case, be able to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, what is righteousness? It has to do basically with right living. It has to do with right doing. We're trying to do what is right in the sight of God. The Pharisees did not do what's right in the sight of God because theirs was a righteousness that was empty. It was fake. But Christ in the Sermon on the Mount calls us to have a real, true, genuine righteousness. We want to do what's right in the sight of God, not just in action, but in motive. Well, Jesus says in John 7 and verse number 24 that we are to judge righteous judgment. There's a connection. We want to have a righteousness that is real and true, and that's going to involve employing righteous judgment. Now, that can apply uh, and does apply in a number of cases. For example, in my life as a Christian, there are times that I have to make a decision, like, 
should I or should I not watch this television show or this movie? Should I or should I not engage in this conversation? Should I or should I not fill in the blank? There are decisions, judgments that we have to make on a regular basis that pertain to just everyday Christian living. We have to deduce, is this right or is this wrong? And if it's right, then I can do it. If it's wrong, I shouldn't do it. Those are judgments. But it also applies, and this is the context of Matthew 7, relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It also applies to other people. Remember Galatians 6 verse 1, if a brother is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you have a brother who's lost in sin, then you have the responsibility to do something about it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, same thing. Romans 16 and verse 17, if there's anyone who does not abide by the the uh, commandment that we've given in this epistle, you mark that, that man and you avoid him, Paul says. So I judge whether a thing is right or wrong because I have to decide if it's appropriate for me to do. But I also have, there is also a sense in which we judge even the actions of other people because there has to be a determination as to whether or not they're right or wrong. But that judgment has to be done righteously. Well, how in the world do we do it righteously? The answer is found in Psalm 119, verse 172. The psalmist says, all of your commandments are righteous. Remember that part of the definition of the word judge or judging is to make a determination of whether or not something's right or wrong. How do we decide between the two? We decide based on the standard that's given. A thing cannot be determined, uh, the rightness or wrongness of a thing cannot be determined aside from some kind of standard that will help to give that definition. So how do I determine whether or not this is an action that I should uh, commit or a television show that I should watch or a word that I should say or a place that I should go? How do I make a determination? I look at the information and then I compare it to the standard of right and wrong. That's the word of God. And I I see, okay, based on what God's word says, is this right or wrong? I've made a judgment. But what about other people? What about a false teacher? What about a brother or a sister who's lost in sin? How do we judge all of that righteously? We take all of the information into account and then we weigh it against the standard. That's God's word And that's where the judgment is found. And here's the thing. When we judge in that way, we're not really the ones judging at all. God is the one who's judging. He has already made the judgment and he has revealed the judgment in his word. All we're doing is collecting the information and going to find what the judge, uh, what verdict the judge has already given. That is righteous judgment. We judge by the right standard. Or to say it another way, we allow the right standard to do the judging. And that comes into the fourth thing about this context. And really where the, uh, I suppose, uh, bulk of the application, at least in some minds, might be. Right judgment, although it is appropriate to judge things and ideas and doctrines and sometimes it's appropriate even to make some judgment about a person what another person is saying or doing right judgment 
always begins with, with me. This is the problem of Matthew chapter 7, verse 4 and 5. You see, it's not, that's, it's not that there are folks who are making decisions about what's right or wrong. It's not that there are folks who are making decisions about what other people are saying or doing, being right or wrong. The problem is that they are focusing um, on what somebody else is doing without looking at themselves in the proper way. Jesus expresses this in a bit of a, a comical way. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye but don't consider the plank? Or I think the King James Version says the moat in your own. I've heard this illustrated before. It's like one person, person having a, a small little particle of dust in their eye whereas the other one has a telephone pole sticking out of his. And the guy with the telephone pole wants to focus on the guy with the speck or the particle of dust. You see, this is the problem. It's all backwards. It's all upside down. Judgment and judging right is not wrong. What's wrong is judging everyone else without also judging yourself. This is the problem that the Jews had at large. Remember Romans chapter 2? Paul said in verse 1 and following, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest another. For in that you judge another, you do the same things. He then contrasts that with the righteous judgment of God. The Jews stood in judgment or condemnation of the Gentiles that are described in chapter 1. But Paul wanted them to understand, look, you have no right to stand in condemnation of them because you're just as guilty as they are. You just won't admit it. But know that there is a God in heaven who is right and he will judge and he won't make a mistake. He will judge everyone, Romans chapter 2 says, in a fair and in a just way according to the standard of righteousness which he has revealed. So right judgment begins with me. I mentioned Galatians 6 verse 1 a couple of times earlier, but we didn't finish the verse. Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. But here's how he finishes it. In a spirit of gentleness or meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. First thought about that passage, how do you define spiritual? Going back to last week. You go back to Galatians chapter 5. The spiritual man is the one who Galatians 5, 16 through 26 is walking or living according to the Spirit and in whose life the fruit of the Spirit is being produced. And so he says, if you're that, you who are spiritual, notice that this responsibility in Galatians 6 verse 1 doesn't apply to everybody. It applies to the ones who are spiritual, to the ones who have uh, applied Galatians 5 verse 16 to 26. That probably would solve a lot of the problems that we have with this subject uh, practically speaking, wouldn't you agree? The people, the one who is not walking according to the Spirit and the one in whose life the fruit of the Spirit is not being produced has no business going to a brother who is overtaken in a trespass and trying to help him come out of his trespass. He probably should just keep his mouth shut because he needs somebody to come to him and help him get out of his own. That's the point. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a, a disposition or a spirit of gentleness or meekness. It's power under control, self-control. Why? 
considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now, there are two ways that this can apply. Number one, considering yourself lest you also be tempted has to do with the fact that I recognize that it's very possible that the tables could be turned, that I could be in his shoes I could be the one overtaken in a trespass, and a brother may have to come to me and help me in overcoming that trespass. So the golden rule, Matthew 7, verse 12, right? That's the context, the, general, the broad context we're dealing with. The golden rule says you treat others as you, would, uh, as you would be treated, or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if I were overtaken in a trespass, how would I want a brother or a sister to deal with me? That's one part. Here's a second. The second application is something like this. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness or meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Tempted to what? How about tempted to come down on them in an inappropriate way? Tempted to deal with the brother overtaken in a trespass with a bad attitude. Tempted to deal with the brother who is overtaken in a trespass in a way that shows unjust and unrighteous judgment because you have not taken the time to consider yourself. Two different ways that that passage applies. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12, the Apostle Paul says, If any man thinks he stand, let him take heed uh, lest he fall. And it would... uh, be good for us to heed the warning of that passage. Sometimes we are much harder on other people than we are on ourselves. Sometimes we assign motives to others without stopping to think or to examine our own. Sometimes we blame others for things that maybe they didn't even do. Sometimes we assume things without actually taking the time to investigate to see whether or not those things are true. That is exactly what Jesus is condemning in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Not all judging is wrong. Right judging is right. The judgment is wrong is the judgment that ignores self, that focuses on everybody and everything else, and never allows God's word to objectively show them for who they are. That's the kind of judgments that's that's the kind of judgment that Jesus is condemning. So as we go on about our daily lives, let's think about these passages. Let's make sure that that we are judging righteously when it comes to just the Everyday items of Christian living, let's judge according to the standard of God's word, whether they're right or wrong or good or evil or lesser or greater or whatever. When it comes to our interaction with one another, when we see a brother or a sister and we begin to suspect there may be something wrong here, maybe there is, but maybe there's not. Let's make sure that we don't rush into situations like that in a hasty manner But rather we judge righteously, starting with ourselves and based on the standard that God has set in his word. I'm going to offer the Lord's invitation now. It may be that there's someone here that has a need to respond. We uh, hope that you will uh, take this opportunity to do so. Perhaps you have a desire to become a Christian tonight. We stand ready and willing to help you. Maybe you are a Christian, but there's something in your life 
that you're struggling with, maybe you need some encouragement, perhaps there's a sin that needs to be dealt with, we'd love to help you. Please come forward and let your need be known while we stand and sing.